0: Talk a little bit about an old tradition this morning. This is a reading that you may have heard around Christmas time from someone who writes under the name Luke. He writes In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to Jesus the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, "Um, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, the one who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, We have a lot of stories that try to explain the mystery of these holidays, the mystery of what we experience in this life. And humans have been trying to do that for millennia, as we heard from Rita. that there are so many things that we know, we think we know, and so many things that we don't know. So we're always looking for deeper understanding to make more meaning out of what we're experiencing, to try and make it fit into our worldview. And one of the ways that we do that is Storytelling. That's how that we make meaning. These stories sometimes become myths, legends, given enough time, given enough repetition, given enough sacred space. So what do we do with these stories? What do we do with these myths? Where is the line between myth and reality? Because I believe that these myths are trying to explain to us the ineffable mystery of our experience, trying to answer the questions about our reality. So these stories help us answer the question, how can this be? Of course, reality is always shifting, evolving. And before we understood about um, the scientific nature of our universe, for example, we assumed the earth was the center of everything, right? Right? And we came up with stories and myths to support that worldview. We even came up with science to support that view. Today, our science is much more advanced. But, in some ways, we are still staring into the mystery of space and trying to explain what we see when we gaze into the heavens. 13.8 billion years ago, The entire known cosmos sprang into being out of a super condensed singular point with all the creative potential and light and matter and energy exploded forth in what's called the Big Bang. Mm. All that we can see and witness sprang into being has been expanding ever since. Faster than the speed of light with more energy than the most powerful weapon. Expanding out into the sea of the cosmos, to that which we can't see, that which we cannot witness. So ancient people had been trying to explain that phenomenon for a long time, and they did not have the benefit of the science that we have now. So that's where we get these creation stories. They look around and said, how can this be? And They came up with these creation stories, one of which comes from the Hebrew Scriptures, the poem of Genesis. In that story, the ancients wrote about this Holy Spirit, this breath, this wind that breathed over the, spirit, over the chaos of that which could not be witnessed. It breathed life into the world. Today, astronomers gaze up into the heavens, literally looking back in time to see the stars that send light, light years away to see what the universe looked like billions of years ago. They use a different method than the poem of Genesis to explain what it is they're witnessing. And the scientific method has started to replace that story, that myth. But just as those people were doing the best they could with what they had, with the knowledge that they had, so are we doing with the science that we have. In fact, I would say that just as they use metaphor and allegory and poetic license, we use the scientific method, hypothesis, analysis, analysis, theories, experimentation. And we rely on our science just as much as they did on their storytelling, trying to make meaning out of what we're experiencing. And it all comes from the same place. It's staring into the mystery and trying to make sense of it. So some people use myth, some people use art, some people use science, some people use song. I wonder, though, if the science that we take for granted now, the science that we take as truth, what that science will look like in, say, 2,000 years. We look back 2,000 years ago at these stories and these myths and we say, oh, what were they thinking? I wonder what it'll be like 2,000 years when they look back at us and say, Whew, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? I wonder if our science might be the myth of the future. That's why I'm so taken with this idea of the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago, this incredible expansion of light and matter and creative potential. Right? The universe is condensed into this one point and then all of a sudden it expands. It's as if the universe was holding its breath and then whoosh, exhales everything that we see that the same stuff that makes up the stars and the planets is also the stuff that makes up our bones and our molecules. How can this be? What do we do with a story like that? So we turn our attention to another mystery or myth story. The Advent tradition that remembers this scene that we read, the so called Annunciation. So Advent, as I said, is a time of waiting, it's a time of prayer, meditation. It's a celebration before Christmas, building up to December 25th that brings joy and stress and anxiety and energy. Waiting on the arrival of Jesus of Nazareth is a spiritual practice for some and a frustrating time for others. And it is not just the stress of trying to keep up with the present mind and the travel plans, right? It's like we said, the story of Christmas can be problematic for people because the Christian scripture is full of mythic elements, things that don't make sense, and that can be hard to swallow. So I want us to look at this annunciation to Mary, the poor young woman who is not yet married to the poor older man, a stonemason named Joseph, It involves a messenger of God, sometimes referred to as an angel. The messenger of God comes to this poor young woman in the middle of the night, and then boom, she's pregnant. A suspicious story, to say the least, but I want to dig in what it must have been like for this young girl named Mary, or Miriam. Miriam. A 14-year-old unwed pregnant woman in a society that does not value women's voices, does not value women's voices so much that the testimony of a woman is not admissible in a court of law unless a man is there, specifically a man who she is related to or who she knows closely, is there to corroborate it. Hmm. The story of Mary's pregnancy is incredible to me, not because of the mythic qualities, but because of its potential to reclaim how we might see this Christmas story. From one of the problems surrounding a virgin birth to one of potential, creative potential, what is possible for us to find within ourselves. So go with me on this about Mary. 14 years old, she has probably never been asked what she wants before. She's probably never been given a choice. She may have been pushed into an engagement with an older man so that she is protected. She may have been forced to leave her home to live with a day-laboring stonemason. She may have never been offered the chance to learn to read or write. And then she gets offered a destiny, so immense and weighty, it boggles the mind. A teenage girl, keeping the weight of the world on her shoulders. And Mary has one question, but she does not question the message itself. Mary says to the angel, how can this be? how can this be, since I'm a virgin? She stares into the heart of the holy mystery. She has this experience, and she has one question, and her question is not, well, it can't be me. She doesn't say it's not true. She says, how? How is that possible? She stares into the mystery, and she asks for the messenger to give her a story to help her make meaning. She says, I can't understand this. How can this be? What do I do with that? So the angel explains. And if you're 2,000 years ago, this explanation makes sense from that theology. Of course it's the Holy Spirit. Why not? But interestingly, this explanation that would have made sense to the early Jesus followers is a later addition. It comes later than stories about Jesus' life and Jesus' death. The stuff about Jesus' birth did not seem as important to the first Christians. why there are contradictions in the different narratives about what Joseph was doing about where they go about who the Annunciation was to there's all these contradictions about Joseph Mary and Jesus traveling to the little town of Bethlehem on a silent night while a little drummer boy played and we three kings came to hark the herald angels sing so that shepherds could go tell it on the mountain we all know that story okay I'm kidding about that part that is not uh, scripturally accurate but I'm not kidding about these contradictions, right? And you have to remember that the folks who heard those stories, they would not have cared about the contradictions. That would not have bothered them, because it was not history in the way that we think of it. They're looking for something to support their theology, their worldview, looking to make meaning, and this story explains it perfectly. So we're trying to understand the mystery from our point of view, and we have to remember this. So when I celebrate Christmas... I've spent too much time worrying about those inconsistencies or factual errors because it's like I'm looking up into the stars. I'm looking back in time to see what was, not as it is now. Light years away, millennia pass, and the words that hit my eyes today have a completely different meaning. So if we can, let's jettison our rational filters for a second. I know that's hard. And I want us to look behind the mythic elements and focus back in on Mary. A young woman with no prospects, very few choices, in the most dire of economic circumstances. Scared, lonely, answering to the holy mystery. And the way that she answers, when the angel says this to her, she says, here I am, an answer to a call over under on uh, how many Hebrew words we're going to learn today is more than one. Because here's another one. She doesn't say, "Here I am." Obviously, that's English. She doesn't say, "Yes," but that's what she means. There's this huge buildup. The Celtic tradition says, the Celtic Christian tradition says, there's this huge buildup in this story that the angel has come and he's making this announcement to the Annunciation, and it's this huge, weighty destiny. He goes through all the things and Mary says, How can this be? I'm a virgin. And he gets this huge story. And it's like the author is focusing in on Mary more and more and more. Like the camera's zooming in. And it zooms in on her face. And then the angel pauses. And the Celtic tradition says the entire universe, all the stars in the sky, <sighs> held their breath waiting for Mary's response. And Mary responds with the Aramaic word. Hineni. Hineni. means here I am. It's right? a way of saying yes. Saying here I am, but it also means kind of like, see me. I'm here. So this wonderful story of. Hineni. 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 Here I am what that must have been like to hear this story to be in that story from the moment of the big bang 13.8 billion years ago with the universe breathing forth life to all of a sudden hold its breath and then breathe again she does not say no which presumably she could have she says yes Hine. She says yes to the mystery, the mystery of what is going on out there, and it's almost like she's speaking to us. When we ask these questions of what can I celebrate? How do I do this? What is next for me? Hineni. here I am. Let me take these steps. Exhaling all the energy and light and creative potential that was stored inside of her response. And within us. Saying yes to the mystery, friends. Do you know that we only know what makes up 5% of the universe? 5%! The other 95% is made up of something called, we think, dark matter. It's stuff that we cannot see, but we can only theorize its existence based on the stuff that we can see. Hmm. The mystery is much greater than our reality, it seems. And so I was reading a news article this week, maybe you saw it. There's a new theory that posits that this dark matter, this stuff that makes up 95% of the universe, is not just matter, like stuff. There's also energy to it. Let me call it dark energy. And this theory states that if you take dark matter and dark energy, and they're kind of combined together. You get this stuff called dark fluid. Stay with me. Quote, this dark fluid, if it exists, has negative mass. Unlike normal matter, which has a positive gravitational charger mass, meaning it attracts other matter, and you can push it, and it pushes back, negative mass would repel matter. In short, if you pushed an object that had negative mass away from you, The object would actually move closer towards you rather than moving in the direction of the applied force, as is the case with ordinary matter. How can that be? What do we do with that? So, it is only a theory, right? But it's potential to change the way we see the universe if we look at it in a different way. It's potential to help us try and explain the mystery the mystery of our universe, the mystery of Christmas. What we celebrate, why we celebrate, how we seek to understand, to explain, and what do we do when the mystery talks back to us and asks us to put aside our disbelief to see the story in a new way and to release some of the creative potential that's been going on for 13.8 billion years in order to celebrate not just the mythic qualities of a story, but the very real story of a courageous young woman who stands at the heart of the world, at the borderline between myth and reality, and says, yes, here I am. Friends, I wonder what it would be like for us to reclaim some of the things that we've talked about today to reclaim the courage to say yes when asked when we stare into the mystery to the advent tells us that the stars are holding their breath awaiting our answer may that be so amen <laughs>